Jessica King is a licensed clinical social worker right here in Wilmington, North Carolina. Jessica is not only a wife, mom, yoga instructor, and writer, but she is also the owner of Still Point Counseling, a group practice that provides professional and relatable therapy, as well as mindful mental health classes to help children, individuals, and families who are navigating life's challenges so that they can feel more balanced, content, and joyful in everyday life. Jessica's ability to infuse her passion for connection to self, others, and community, combined with her self-proclaimed neuroscience, nerdiness, social work values, mindfulness, and yoga practice, makes her not only approachable, but one of the most open, flexible, and emotionally articulate clinicians I know. During this podcast, we actually lost Wi-Fi two times and experienced numerous technical difficulties. Jessica generously went with the flow and we were able to just keep rolling. In today's episode of Nothing Fancy, Jessica talks about the process that's led her to where she is today, making hard choices, mind-body connection, the pandemic, and the importance of feeling it all. So sit back, maybe put on some headphones, head out for a walk, and enjoy Jessica King on Nothing Fancy. Hello again. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what happens this next time. For everyone listening, um, we just finished recording about 15 minutes, and then the Wi-Fi just went out. And that was after we had already sort of discussed the funny um, things that are happening during this quarantine and social distancing and pandemic with technology. So um, we're going to try it again. (laughs) Perfect. Yes. Perfect. So Jessica King, welcome to Nothing Fancy. Thank you. And thank you for having me here. I'm so excited. Oh, my goodness. I am, too. And I'm so bummed out on that first 15 minutes of of conversation that we had because it was it was really fun but we'll try to go back and recapture it a little bit sounds great that's perfect perfect okay so let's do it so tell everyone a little bit about yourself and who you are and what you do and here in beautiful Wilmington North Carolina yes um so my name is Jessica King and I am a therapist here in Wilmington um I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I see individuals as young as four or five years old up into adulthood um, with the primarily um, specializing in folks that are having difficulty through adjustments or have experienced some type of trauma. I'm also a yoga teacher, so I kind of fuse um, the not the body knowledge or that som- somatic work with um, what I do in mental health to be able to promote healing um, and, and wellness for folks. Um, I also own a group practice here in Wilmington um, called Still Point Counseling and Wellness. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, we have s- seven therapists here as well as um, offering groups. Um, and so I have yoga teachers and other folks in the community that are teaching things like meditation or Tai Chi, um, acupuncture that come in and do workshops. Um, so we're really here bringing an integrative kind of holistic approach to wellness um, and trying to serve, serve the, serve the families in our community um, with a real, a primary mission or vision of um, decreasing the effects of chronic stress for our community. So really excited to do that. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it's interesting because right now, I mean, would you say chronic stress is kind of um, like part of the course right now, huh? It is. I think that we are, you know, whether you're uh, someone who is nervous um, and worried about being sick or your family members being sick or not, um, I think that there's just a kind of a community level of stress in this crisis. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. And I'm just curious. I mean, you know, from your vantage point, from where you stand, what are you hearing from people right now as sort of some of their top stressors? And I'm not, I mean, I'm not certainly suggesting just from clients or anything like that, but just from where you stand, what are you hearing Mm -hmm. um, has been really tough on people? Yeah. I, you know, I think it's so many different things and different for people, you know, there's financial stress and I think it can come from the folks. It's so interesting because I think there's two, you know, polar opposites happening almost, um, where there's folks that, uh, you know, have lost jobs or their, their business is super duper impacted by, by the social distancing and the shutdowns. Or mm-hmm. on the other hand, there's some folks that are just like so busy with their work and it's actually gotten yeah. um, increased and, or, you know, our folks that are on the front lines, the healthcare providers, the folks um, working at the grocery stores that have to be in work every day. I mean, their, their stress and their work oh, yeah. is so much different. Um, but it's impacting everyone. Yeah. yeah, it really is. It's like, there's not a single person out there for whom this has not impacted. Mm-hmm. And I love that you talk about, you know, you even work with four and five year olds. Mm-hmm. And I have been so fascinated. You know, that was my specialty when I was practicing um, mm-hmm. clinically, it's working with really small kids. And I've been so interested just watching the children in our neighborhood. And certainly, you know, we always believe that resiliency is the norm. However, it's been interesting to watch them Um, you know, the ways that they're processing it and the ways that those struggles are sort of coming out for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think our kids, um, whether we're talking about it or not, they, you know, understand things are different. They're not in school and um, not seeing their friends and their, you know, their whole schedules are different. And so um, they know, and they're, they're feeling that in their little bodies and trying to process it in whatever ways they can. Um, and so that can, you know, that can look different too. No, it certainly can. And I was, I I was just in getting, getting ready last night to, uh, to talk to you today. I watched a meditation that you had put on your Instagram page. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was so sweet just talking about, you know, like what is really going on with our children, with our little people, Mm -hmm. um, for us as parents and things like that is, as not only we process the pandemic, but they process it through, you know, and create their own narratives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was just that, that was really lovely. I enjoyed that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's yeah. been, it's been interesting doing things like that. And this, I, uh, putting myself out there to do the videos and kind of, um, be, be a face on the, the business <laughs> is, a is a vulnerable spot for me. Um, yeah. so, but, but it's been fun. It's been a great, um, I think it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a growth area for me. Yeah. It, well, in it's, um, you know, it's really funny and I don't know if this is true for you, but I know that when I sort of, um, shifted gears in my career and started doing things a lot differently, mm-hmm. the, uh, the being out in front of people and being a face, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? That was so odd to me. Cause I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm used to sort of being in the office, you know, sort of behind the scenes and, and, mm-hmm. and it is a big shift it feels really different. And there's something, um, I think there's something about social work practice that draws some of us to it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and being out in the front, in front of people is not, is not generally one of those things. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> we, I'm, I'm used to listening, you know, uh-huh. listening in the office. So, yes. um, but it's also, it's also good to be able to share, you know, share what I love and share, yes. um, the, the messages that I do have and the things that I've learned with folks. So, um, you know, just putting myself out there to do that is sometimes the the hard part. So I know, yeah. I know it is definitely building, building those vulnerability muscles, yeah. right? Yes. 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 Well, listen, so there's a couple things I want to do. I want to talk a little bit about sort of your process because I'm really interested, you know, I have, um, I have the opportunity to teach and I teach, um, WB bachelor's in social work students, um, master's in social work coming up. Um, it is going to be very different than what graduation was, you know, supposed to look what the expectations were, but as, as all of these students are going out into the field, I want to just talk a little the process. I'm going to, um, I, your most recent blog post on resiliency and I took a bunch of notes. And so when I ask you, um, to talk about some of that as well. Okay. Cool. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your process. How did you become a clinician, a social worker, and what does that sort of look like over the years? Yeah, it, um, it has not been the traditional process maybe that you might think of. Um, <laughs> it's taken me a while to get, to get to where I am, but, um, I started out, um, as a psychology major at UNC Chapel Hill. Um, mm-hmm. and it was not necessarily, I, I picked psychology as a, a backup because I was doing a biology major and got to organic chemistry and was just like, eh, 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 this is not for me. Um, so I got mm-hmm. a minor in that and shifted to psychology because it was interesting to me. Um, and so after I did work in the mental health field, some right after that, I worked some residential jobs and, um, group home and in group homes. Um, but I was also, um, my husband, I also got married right after college and my husband was an officer in the Navy. And so we were moving around a lot. Um, and I was trying to, you know, figure out what I wanted to do, but also, um, we were really kind of focused on his career at that point. Um, and so I took a step back and, um, also started having children. And so mm-hmm. I was able to stay home with my children when they were really young. Um, but I got really interested in yoga. Um, and so I got my teacher, my yoga teacher training and a certificate and I started teaching yoga. Um, we eventually landed in Concord, North Carolina, which is right outside of Charlotte, which is where we're from, both from. And, um, I, okay. yeah, I opened a yoga studio there. And so, um, it was a great time. I was able to um, feel like I was staying home with my kids, um, although I was, you know, operating and owning a business too. So that was silly that I used to say that, but um, <laughs> but <laughs> just doing all the things. I had extra help there though, my, since our families were there. Um, I had some great grandmas and grandpas that were able to help me out with that. But um, uh-huh. but yeah, um, but then my husband's work um, brought us to Wilmington. And so at the time I was very content with selling the business and kind of seeing what the future had in store for me. Um, I was, got here and again, I was kind of staying at home, but I was like, well, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up kind of thing? Like, this is a new, a new place that I can make change if I want. And I just, um, I had, 
I'd gotten into yoga because of the physical aspects. It felt good to my body and I knew that it was healing for me in some way, but the deeper I got into the practice and in understanding it and what I saw others got out of it, um, I knew that it, it was so much for everyone's mental health. And so I did decide to go back to get my master's. Um, and I, um, because I wanted to be a therapist, um, but mm -hmm. I chose social work um, because I just identified so much with like its tenants and ethics and um, understanding of um, how we're going to go about helping people, which is um, really that idea of like looking at people in layers and systems and building on the strengths that they have and um, the, the whole community aspect of um, that social work really brings to, to mental health. So um, I got my master's in social work. Um, we were here in Wilmington. So I, you know, did my internship and um, worked in community mental health, um, school-based um, mental health for a couple of years until um, 2018. I was given the opportunity to um, go into private practice. It wasn't something that I had planned on at that moment in, in time, but it presented itself and um, jumped on it. And I had built a pretty solid solo practice within a year. And so I opened the group practice, um, this past year, we've almost been open a year. So. Yeah, I yeah. know. And you really, I mean, I have to brag on your people are so fantastic. Like I, I know almost all of them, I think. Um, <laughs> they are. Point. And, um, I just could, I could, I could do like a monologue on every one of them. Um, <laughs> because you really are surrounded with some pretty incredible humans. Yes. There. Yes, I am. I feel really lucky to have the team that we have here and um, the, the skills and the knowledge and the experience and everything that they bring to the table just enhances um, the mission and vision of Steel Point. So yes. I'm, I feel really lucky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, and, and, you know, I think one of the things I'm always, you know, whenever I read something that one of your people has posted, one of the people that works with you has posted, I mean, you know, there, there's such, not only just that inherent sort of social work quality and, and you know, the dignity and worth of people and, mm -hmm. you know, just really um, meeting people where they are and all of that kind of stuff, but that that is sort of a parallel process for all of you. You really believe in, in taking good care of yourself and one another. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. And I think that really shines through. Um, and, and it just, I don't know, it just resonates from all of the work that I see you guys do. So, um, I just respect that and appreciate that so much. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm curious, I mean, you know, you and I've talked a little bit about some of the hard choices, you know what I mean? Like that throughout a career, um, like, like social work, um, like, you know, where you're, where you're really investing in human beings, um, that there's hard choices that have to be made. What are some of the hard choices that you've had to make throughout your career? Um, hard choices. Um, I think um, every, yes, I think it, it started in, in school and being able to decide, you know, being able to balance what I felt like I needed to give my family and my children with what I needed for my own self to feel growth and, and to have a career path. And so, um, those that first, I mean, for all your social work students out there, they probably are either in the thick of it or getting ready to be done, done with that and good, but, um, that it's hard to, to go to school and, 
um, do an internship. And like for some folks, they either have families at home or like I did, or they're working other jobs. And um, so those were really hard choices. Um, Mm -hmm. Not only just physically exhausting and like, you know, how am I going to do this? But also um, the the mom guilt that comes in from not being with your kids or the Mm -hmm. guilt that maybe you feel with coworkers because now I got to go be with my kids, but I can't be with you or your clients, you know? So I think that was probably the initially one of one big challenge um, is balancing all that. Mm -hmm. So this is a a sort of a, like, this is a, a, an odd question. And I sort of recognize that as I'm asking it, but I mean, (laughs) what helped you navigate that? Like, you know, one of the things that I think about when you, when you do a job, when you're sort of on the front lines working with people, um, we measure our success by, you know, how much we're able to give other people, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so when you're thinking about those hard choices and, and it sounds sort of sounds like boundaries and things like that, what has helped you navigate some of that? Mm, Yeah. I'm not sure because I'm not (laughs) sure I always did it successfully, but, um, Uh, I think being able to, um, you know, if I just go back to kind of like the core of like what I believe and what I teach and kind of like what still point is about is being able Mm -hmm. to be really present with myself and, Mm -hmm. um, recognize in the moment when things are coming up, because I think we can push and kind of be in our thoughts so much that we don't recognize when our bodies are getting tired and fatigued or when we're stressed or, you know, then, then we're, you know, being short at home and, you know, irritable with the people in our life or, um, maybe we're not able to really give our full attention at work. Um, we don't even realize those things are happening. Um, mm-hmm. and so when I'm at my best, it's when I can catch myself in the moment, like before I've gotten there, like when I can feel it, I'm like, Oh, there's the sign. <laughs> there's the sign. I and I gotta, I gotta pull back somewhere and realize, you know, this, I'm just human. And this is, yeah. this oh. is what I gotta do. Yeah. Yeah. So you've given me my first goosebumps of the, of the, podcast because I mean I think that is just the ever I mean that's that's my constant goal you know Mm -hmm. what I mean is how can I sort of catch um my body often knows before my brain does Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and how can I sort of catch what's going on with my body Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't catch up to me like you said being irritable or disconnected or you know not present Mm -hmm. or anything like that what is the signal for you in your body what tells you uh uh-oh Mm-hmm. I'm out of alignment. Um, I think it can be different things. Um, just okay. like if I'm like, if I just pure body awareness, the first thing that I can typically tell is, um, like jaw clenching. Like if okay. I have like tension in my jaw or I feel mm-hmm. my forehead furrowed, I can, I can be like, okay, wait a minute take a step back. What's going on right now? You know, can I relax? And this is part of like the work that I do with like Mm -hmm. fusing like body knowledge and, and, and mental health, but can I, that there's this, you know, bi-directional message that's being sent. Not only do I need to think in my mind, okay, you know, clear my thoughts, be mindful of my thoughts, but I can also use my body to help my mind kind of ungrasp on those clinging thoughts. I can say, Oh, unclench your jaw relax your shoulders, yes. take a deep breath. And, um, that's kind of a reset for me. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. It sounded like you were also sort of alluding to, um, 
the importance of staying congruent and true to your values, Mm -hmm. to the things that matter most to you. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know what you would say um, about mind-body connection and sort of how that sort of, um, how values are are encompassed in all of that. Mm -hmm. But do you have any thoughts? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And I don't know how much you like kind of know about the like yoga as a whole. I think um, with yoga, we um, it's people think of it as like the physical postures, but in a practice, it's the physical postures, it's the meditation, it's the breath work, and it's a set of values that we kind of that we infuse into the practice. But, Mm -hmm. um, but I think when I think of the mind body connection, it is what you're saying is that like, when we are kind of can stand in, in, in integrity and in congruence with your values, um, that that's when we do feel connected to ourselves. We feel connected to others. Um, Mm -hmm. and that the, a lot of where I come from and when I practice or what I do for myself and my body is sometimes we have to, um, not just talk about that and know what our values are, but we have to like feel them in our body. Like if Mm -hmm. I can embody that, then, I can know it and kind of live from it more than if I just am like ha- having a thought or telling myself that, you know, I'm aligned in this mm-hmm. way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, and it sounds like it's sort of like multi-sensory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's sort of like a lot of different ways I get to experience that in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just can't say enough. I mean, and I love the whole mind body connection um, piece, but I also, I mean, I just love that whole piece of like really being able to narrow our values down and to know what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, because when they're not showing up in our lives, then we're usually not present within ourselves. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and we've sort of, I know that um, it, it has been a struggle for me over the course of my life to stay present with my values, to not mm-hmm. substitute someone else's values for my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that can kind of get me off track. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we were talking before we got cut off the last time we were mm-hmm. talking about one of the values that you all really embody at still point is uh, connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked about the mind body connection, but how are some other ways that that sort of manifests mm-hmm. in your work? Yeah. Um, yeah. I love what you, you say about being aligned with our values. And I think we do, we have to know them and we have to, um, they have to be lived every day. It's like a, Mm -hmm. like a living, breathing thing. And I think for me, one of there's, there's a few values that are there, they're personal to me, I guess, but, but they are my business values because I kind of came up with them when I was, um, making my business plan because I wanted to be able to have those in the, in the forethought that everything that I do, any action, any decision I make, um, just being in the office every day, if I'm not in congruence with those things, then, then we're on the wrong path. I'm on the wrong path for myself and I'll be going down that point of chronic stress, like we were talking about, (laughs) but also, um, yeah, but also, you know, the, the business is probably going to suffer and the people that are inside of it, the clients and my, and the people that work here. So, um, so yeah, connectedness is one of them. And so I feel like we connect, uh, you know, we're, I'm really big on community, um, 
involvement. And so, you know, connecting with providers and different businesses and different people in our community so that I can have those as resources for our clients who are connecting our clients to other businesses um, that can help them with their overall wellness. But then we're also um, working in here to help people feel more connected to others in their life or groups or systems um, that's also going to enhance their wellness. But ultimately, connecting people back with themselves. But um, yes. yes. And so mm-hmm. it's that, yeah, it's that union of like, can I know myself? Can I know my own values? That's what my clients are thinking. And then can I be connected to something even like even bigger than that? Because oftentimes we've we've lost that, that, you know, whatever that is, I'm connected to my community, nature, um, my God or higher power, whatever it is, but that there is comes full circle, this kind of whole body wellness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I just love mm-hmm. that. Um, you, so I, I alluded earlier to a blog post that you wrote and it's about resilience and collective healing. Mm-hmm. And I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about that. You write some pretty, I just think powerful words throughout that. And I have made some notes here with my fancy pencil. <laughs> and so one of them, one of the things that you said is, and I think this sort of, it's a good segue um, from what we've been talking about is that, and particularly as it relates to the pandemic and sort of this situation that we found ourselves in for the last five, six weeks, um, is that our nervous system will send us smoke signals to protect us. Mm-hmm. The stress that we feel rising in our body is normal and beautiful response made to protect you. Mm-hmm. So tell me what, tell me, say more about that. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to hear someone else read what you write back. <laughs> <laughs> like, did I, gosh, yeah, did, did you, I did you have a moment where you said, did I really write that? <laughs> yeah. Like, that sounds similar to something I think, but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that um, blog post, I don't, you know, I don't write all the blogs for Still Point. Um, I'm, I'm lucky to have um, someone that helps me, but um, that blog post came at a, I do, I do write and I enjoy writing. Um, and I just felt, I was like, I've got at that point, that was the first week, um, I felt like I needed to, to just get that out and kind of write a response. But, um, but yes, I, I mean, I, and I believe that, and that's what I try to, um, try to teach, try to, to help others understand is that when we're coming, if we come to therapy or if we're coming to yoga or if we're coming to in a meditation class or any kind of group, you know, whatnot, um, it, it doesn't mean that we're broken or that we have a problem. I'm really, I really want to like kind of pull away from that stigma that we really, um, need to look at our body and the way it, um, is responding to our environment as a way that to, that it, that it's protecting itself at a, a basic level. All we want to do as humans is, is survive. And so it has all these amazing mechanisms and I'm kind of like a neurobiology nerd, so I won't talk about <laughs> any of that stuff because my, my husband, my husband tells me you just need to pare it down. Quit using all those words. <laughs> Um, but, (laughs) but, um, I won't use all those words, but, um, but we have all these systems in our body that are there to help protect us and they show up in times of stress. And I think when we keep 
when we keep um, experiencing problems or when things get worse and worse and worse, we're often struggling against that. We're pushing away and, and, and saying there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with that and I'm going to avoid looking at that. Um, but that when we can reframe it and just say, no, oh, this is exactly what my body is supposed to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and now can I check in, get back to the present part, right? Can I check in and recognize what I can control in this moment and what I do need to respond to? Because oftentimes we don't, the smoke signals are wrong for the moment, um, you know? Right. And so we can, we can find ways to help ourselves um, once we've noticed that. But it's in all the judging and the kind of shame around we're wrong and having these symptoms that um, things continue Gosh, to get worse. This, it's, it's so true. Like I have so many things popping off in my brain right now that I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I want to ask her this. I want to ask her this. But 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 yes, there is a lot of times those smoke signals come up and we feel shame or we judge them. And then we try to like push them down or make them go away or avoid them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really are there for that protective piece. You made a comment just a second ago, and I want to I want to circle back to it. That sometimes the smoke signals are wrong. Mm-hmm. Can you give me an example of how that might show up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our smoke signals. So all the experiences that we've had in our life, um, they you know get stored up there in our memories. They're stored in our bodies in some way, whether that's what we consider tr- trauma um, or not. But mm-hmm. they're they're there. Um, and so when something else that might be reminiscent of that comes up, our, um, body is kind of primed to recognize it because, you know, we don't want to go down that same path again of getting hurt, um, or, or, or being at risk or, or danger. Um, but sometimes that those messages show up and, and, um, and our, we're, we, our wires have gotten crossed, I guess that is mm-hmm. a, a good way to say it. Um, because maybe we are thinking, you know, we're, um, anticipating something that's going on in the future. Um, we started to create a story in our head and that story in our head is now sending up the smoke signals in our body. Um, it's saying like, oh yeah, you remember that time? Um, or now we're back in the past, I got, you remember that time when you got hurt in this way, um, this could happen in the future. And these are the steps that, that are going to happen. And so we're all in the story in our head, whether it's about the past and the future and our body is experiencing like it in real time. Yeah. Um, and so that's when the, when the smoke signals can be wrong and where, um, mindfulness and kind of present moment awareness helps us because we can check in with the fact that those things aren't actually happening right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I love that whole idea, you know, of what is the story that I'm telling myself right now mm-hmm. and being present enough to even ask ourselves that question. Yeah. You know, yeah. which can be, I mean, which can be such a challenge. I know I've heard a lot of people talk about, um, you know, I think that, well, let me say this. I think that the thing that I've heard the most um, so far is how much difficulty people are having sleeping. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, I mean, like, what do you, what do you sort of make of that? I mean, you know, like this sort of like lots of people are really, really struggling at night. Mm-hmm. You have any thoughts on that? Well, um, I think, you know, sleep kind of drives everything to tell you the truth, mm-hmm. you know? So when we have 
maybe poor sleep for several nights, it can start to kind of drive the way we feel during the day. And it becomes mm -hmm. kind of this, this cycle. Um, but in, in nighttime is such a funny time too. Um, I, I, you know, I've experienced <laughs> the same things, but it's so funny to me that like, I can wake up in the middle of the night and the thing that's on my mind is like of utmost importance. It's going to like, it's going to be the hardest thing I've ever done and I'm not going to be <laughs> able to. And then I, and then I get up in the morning and I'm like, Oh, wait, well, here's the list and I'm fine. You know, like uh -huh. it's just at uh -huh. night, it seems so much worse. Um, and I think, I, I think part of that is because we, we feel like we can't like do, we can't do the task, you know, we don't okay. feel in control of that thing anymore. But, um, but I think it would be really normal. I think it's really normal right now. Like you said, you have hearing a lot of people say that, and I, I certainly have experienced it, but you know, just on a community level, we are all experiencing kind of this, this stress. Um, it's unknown. We don't know what's going to happen um, to our businesses, to um, our economy, to the health of, you know, everyone and when are things going to come back. And so our, um, our, our minds are all trying to figure all that kind of stuff out. And yeah, it, it can show up in um, kind of restless energy and not being able to fully feel um, in that, like that sleep state or whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just been, that has been so interesting to me. I mean, I would say that almost a hundred percent of the people I talk to right now are just like, my sleep is so messed up. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, let's see. I'm going to look at some of the, so you offer a couple of thoughts and I know that you know, we're social workers, so we're not big on advice. We don't like to tell people <laughs> advice and things like that. And you are so cute. Let me just, I want to make sure I've got this right. I, I want to, uh, here's some practices to consider. Um, and you kind of call them offerings, which I just thought was really cool. I just loved <laughs> that. But there's two things that got, that really took my attention. One of them was get comfortable being with yourself. Mm -hmm. Much of our personal distress can be created in an effort to avoid feeling our feelings, owning our truth, and fully accepting our circumstances. Avoidance, avoidance looks different on everyone, and it can be that sort of blaming, self-criticism, drinking, binging, TV, gaming, social media, controlling food patterns, whatever it is. So tell me some, you know, just explore that a little bit more for us, the getting comfortable being with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's again, probably pretty natural that we don't want to feel uncomfortable feelings and we don't want to, um, we don't want to experience all those. But, um, like I said, in the, in the post, we, um, when, when we don't recognize or we don't pay attention to that in the moment, we are really, um, just pushing away an experience that allows us to be able to process what's going on. So I tell people all the time, feelings are just energy and all they want to do is come into our body and then move on just like light yes. or whatever. Um, they're not there to like make us miserable. They're really trying to give us information about mm -hmm. what's going on around us in an effort to let us make a, the next right decision. Um, and when we avoid it, cause it doesn't feel good. We have to, you know, we, like I said, it comes out in all these different ways. Um, but we're, we're missing the opportunity to be able to kind of sit with 
what's going on in our environment to be able to mm-hmm. say, hey, what, you know, why is this showing up now? And um, we lose that opportunity to make the next right action because we're like thinking about something totally different. Um, yeah. Do you think that's because we get swept up in the feeling and in the avoidance or in the, you know, the blaming and the shaming and the judging and like all of that kind of stuff. And so we sort of get ourselves stuck. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think you're, I think you're right on it. It's like a, a loop, right? So I feel mm-hmm. something bad and then now I'm wrong for that. And, um, I'm, you know, shaming myself or trying to blame, um, someone for that so that I don't have to have to feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting because that is one of my big things is, you know, whatever you're feeling, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's, I mean, you know, and, and believe me, that is a, been a, a long journey and learning process for me is to really, you know, to, to not allow that dialogue of, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I'm embarrassed that I'm feeling this way. Um, it's wrong for me to feel this way. I'm just like, Lisa, it's just a feeling. And I love how you say it's just a visitor that's coming to provide some data and information so that I can make the next right decision. That's well said. Are you there? Okay, so let me like segue this. Okay, Okay. so, all right, so we had a little technical difficulty there, but what we're going to do is like switch gears because the other thing that you said in this, in this post was about getting familiar being with another person's distress. Mm -hmm. And that makes me want to like snap my fingers and do like a happy dance because this is one of the things, like if there was like a mission in my life, this would be it. Mm-hmm. is for people to get familiar being with another person, person's distress. Mm-hmm. So say more about that, like from your perspective. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that we, it's the same mechanism of why we want to avoid our own, but we see people hurting sometimes. And um, it is, I think it's in an effort to, avo- we want to avoid feeling, um, the discomfort of seeing that and we don't want them to feel uncomfortable. I mean, in a certain level, again, like let's reframe it back into like, that's probably a really natural, normal thing because um, we, um, we are social beings and we want to protect folks and we want, you know, we, we want to have these connections with folks. So it would, it's hard to see them go through distress. So we, we try to fix it. But in doing that, oftentimes we're, invalidating their experience or also make it often feels if you are that person like you're you're wrong in having that emotion or having that distress and so when we can sit and just kind of be with someone and say I hear you I see that and I that's got to be tough you know that's Mm -hmm. I I feel that too I you know um it allows someone for them to do their first, the first thing you were talking about, or we were talking about, which is Mm -hmm. just feel their feelings and let that energy come through and let it move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you say in here, you know, like, are you making jokes to sort of avoid the feeling? Are you trying to change the subject? 
Um, Mm -hmm. Are you, you know, I mean, I love to talk about, you know, sort of throwing toxic positivity and some, you know, positive quotes at things, Mm -hmm. you know, like, what is it that we do? Um, I think you're right, because we are social beings, and we don't want people to be in pain. But then you're right. I mean, it does sort of invalidate what it means to be human when we can't sit with Mm -hmm. what somebody's experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that's where I think it goes back to blame and shame and creating patterns, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, in, in relationships. I think especially when we're talking about this chat, you know, the, the piece was written about the pandemic and, um, everybody is experiencing it so differently and they're all making different choices. Um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes we see those choices other people are making and, um, I don't know. I've just, you know, see, seen people have such different responses and ones that um, it, it ends up creating just stress for both, for both parties. Not only are we like judging someone for the choices they're making, but that person that is doing the judging, it's just perpetuating their, this own level of distress that in their own life, know. you know, by the doing the judging. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. I know. And it, it, it has been really interesting. I mean, I've had to catch myself, you know, on many occasions, mm-hmm. you know, when I have experienced a friend or a family member or someone who perhaps is not pandemicking like I'm pandemicking. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah. and like I'm the pandemic police all of a sudden and mm-hmm. I get to make the decisions about what's okay and what's not okay. And mm-hmm. um, really just trying, you know, I think, you know, one of the things you talk about is just the mindfulness of just recognizing that, you know what? I'm not like, I'm just responsible for me and for what's going on with me and um, that it is not personal and it is not an attack and that everybody just sort of sees things and experiences things different, Mm -hmm. but that everybody's, you know, wired different, Mm -hmm. you know, and that there is not, I mean, I think you say in here, like there's not a roadmap for this. We have not, you know, this is Mm -hmm. not a place we've been before. So, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just think that it's so important to, to try to suspend some of that judgment yeah, and shame around just being human. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, this piece is so good. I mean, you go on to talk about the importance of practicing mindfulness of doing the next right action. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I mean, mm-hmm. will you just, can you kind of like in a nutshell, tell us about the next right action piece? Yeah, um, I use that a lot, especially for stress and anxiety, um, because I think we get um, overwhelmed with feeling like we need to solve all the problems all at once right now (laughs) with no one else's help. Just me. Um, And so I, I like to think about it as like, okay, as soon as recognizing that like that's happening, like I gotta solve all the problems all right now is like kind of taking a a look at the landscape, like what, what, what really is the problem here in this moment? And mm-hmm. who are my support systems? Who are the th- people that I have to help or the things that I have to help me? And then breaking it down into um, reasonable steps, because the only thing that we have to do is the next right thing. So the next right thing for me too, right? Not yes, anyone right. else, just me. Um, and if I can make that action happen, then the next clear path to the next right action will make itself known. Um, and so, and then the, the, I think when we can pare it down and say, okay, that's, that's all I have to do. Um, those feelings of overwhelm and kind of the, the, the stress response system can turn itself off for a little while. Cause we feel like we have, um, 
we can take action and that's yes. kind of what helps. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that. And, and I, I, I think I may change. I usually say do the next right thing, but I mm-hmm. like straight action. There's mm-hmm. something sort of like, there's just sort of a movement towards that. And I, I like mm-hmm. it. And then your last thing, of course, is just building connection, mm-hmm. which, you know, is, is, I, I just think is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how would you sort of, I mean, what are you sort of encouraging people um, to look at in this time where we can't necessarily be together in the traditional senses? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it's in really like that bigger sense of connection is that like we are, I think this is one of the things that this, I guess, opportunity we can call it has given <laughs> us is, is that we can, it, this is affecting everyone all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is a, um, a representation of the way we all are connected um, and to continue to kind of seek that for ourselves, because I think it could feel like with social distancing and the isolating that we um, are getting further disconnected. And again, what we were talking about a minute ago, people not appreciating the way other people are doing things and whatnot, we could really Mm -hmm. disconnect and divide. Mm -hmm. But in the end, if we can seek opportunity to feel connected to the larger whole, um, that that's where I really think the transformation is going to happen or the resiliency of our community. So, um, I think in the blog, I talk about like, if if you don't know what I'm talking about, just take a moment every day to go put your feet in the grass and take a deep breath in and say, Oh my gosh, well, as I'm breathing here, so is that bird. And so is, you know, someone across the country or, or whatnot, but really taking a step back and, um, when we can, feel, you know, again, it's, it's about that mindfulness and that present moment, but I'm connected to myself at that moment. And then I can feel that connection with a larger whole. Um, I love that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like just beautiful. And, and I think that this has, I mean, the opportunity to see that has mm-hmm. really presented itself mm-hmm. um, in this time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, I do think that that has been one of the things all right. Well, so I want to ask you just a few questions. Mm-hmm. And these are just questions that are just, these are just Jessica King answers. Like just <laughs> whatever it is that, that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. All right. So what right now is giving you life? Oh, you know, um, <laughs> um, I <laughs> could say a lot of things. I, um, I think it's it's actually something that I'm letting go of. I let okay. go of my sense of uh, cleanliness. What is clean in my house? Um, <laughs> I have ta- I've taken. We're a whole different level, and I really am proud of myself. I'm not like a neat, like I'm not a a, a germaphobe or whatever. But uh-huh. um, but I like things straight at my house, and uh-huh. um, I, that has just had to go out the window because my children and my husband are home all day and. Uh-huh. I'm really proud of them fixing themselves their own meals and doing all those things, but just having that many people in your house um, all day long and not going yes. anywhere. There's just a different level of, of clean at our house and I really have embraced it. And so that's get, that is helping me get by for sure. I love it. I love it. That is awesome. Okay. What are you really missing right now? Oh, what am I missing? Um, now I'll tell you, I, I have probably, I'm 
while some people are always shocked at it, I am more introverted in my nature. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I like to be at home and I like to read books and kind of be by myself. And so I've, I definitely have been able, I think, to adapt more than I've seen some of my extroverted friends. But, <laughs> but, um, but I do miss just the one-on-one energy being with people. So, um, I while I'm so happy for all our technology and um, being able to Zoom and uh, telehealth and all these kind of things, I miss like what it feels like to just be in the room with someone and that energy that happens between um, my clients and my friends and all the people that I I like to experience that. Mm, That is the word. I love that. What I'm missing the energy of it. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is totally 100% me. I'm just missing that energy. Mm -hmm. Um, What is one thing that you are not missing? Oh, not all the activities of life. I realized that um, it's so funny when I thought that, you know, my kids needed to be doing all the different activities. Like that was part of, you know, what they wanted and what (laughs) I have not missed um, driving to all the practices and (laughs) different things like that. We have, we have really embraced um, a slower pace at our house. And I think, I think everybody is benefiting from it. So Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm hearing that a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing that, wow, I had no idea. You know what I mean? How sort of unnecessary a lot of the things we've been doing are. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that like kids, a lot of kids have, have seemed to adapt. Well, I mean, I know some of, them, some of them are definitely struggling with missing out on some of that stuff. It's yeah. been interesting. Okay, let's see. What right now are you reading? Or what are you um- <laughs> So I think I, I think it was this one, not the, the previous one that like that we recorded and it messed up. But I think I said I was a neuro nerd. That's uh-huh, so funny uh-huh. that you're asking me this because I wish I could say that I'm reading like a really fantastic just like for fun book. Um, I And I, the thing about it is, is I do, usually do read several books at once. So I'm reading a few things. But um, the one that's sitting right here in front of me is called <laughs> Accessing the Healing Power of the Vagus Nerve. It, oh, of course it is. <laughs> it is a fantastic book, by the way. I'm getting lots of things from it. But that is what I'm, um, that's what I'm reading right now. So. I love it. Okay. Um, favorite song? Oh. Um. I have lots of favorite songs. Um, one that's been a favorite, this is an old song. Um, and so I, it's funny that it popped into my head, but I just listened to it the other day. I think um, the Wood Brothers, there's a song called Luckiest Man. I just, it oh. always makes me feel so, um, yeah, so happy. So oh, I love anyhow. that. Yeah. I don't know that song. So I'll be, I'll be listening to it later. <laughs> um, okay. And last one. Do you have a favorite quote or something that that's like a saying? Um, so I have, I have two. Can I give you two? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, I have, so I, I, both of these and they are paraphrased quotes cause I don't, I, I'm really, it's hard for me to remember exactly, but, um, oh, yeah, Sharon yeah. Salzberg has one. I use this all the time in my teaching, whether that's, you know, with clients or yoga or anything, but, um, and it is, you can't push the wave into the shore any faster than the ocean's going to bring it in. So it's one of the things that, and and I use it in my life. Like if I'm pushing, if I'm pushing, if it feels too hard, if it feels 
Um, like it's a struggle. I take a step back and I remember, okay, the ocean's got to bring it in. I'm not the one doing that. Oh, I love that. Um, and then my other favorite quote that, um, I have around a lot that reminds me and kind of informs my like parenting and my work and all this kind of stuff is, um, and it's something like the greatest or the best teachers are those who use them, make themselves bridges, um, mm-hmm. and invite their students to cross over. And mm-hmm. then after that crossing over joyfully collapse, I know that's part of the quote cause I love that part joyfully <laughs> collapse, mm-hmm. um, to encourage their students to build their own bridges. Um, and so I, I try to always remember that cause I really do, I love the idea of just allowing people to have, to teach them the resources and then, then they have it and then they're doing, they're doing it on their own. They're um, doing the work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for spending um, what has turned out to be an hour and 20 minutes with me because we've had so many, so many technical <laughs> difficulties, but here we are laughing about them because it just is what it is right now. Right. That's right. It is a sign of the times. It so. is a sign of the times, but anyway, it was a wonderful episode. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to see you soon. Oh, yes. Thank you so much, Lisa. This has been great. Okay. Take care. Bye, Jessica. Bye. Y'all, I am so excited about my guest today. I met Kimberly McLaughlin Smith, also known as the Night Nurse, on Facebook. She is the host of Reggae Redemption that airs every Sunday from 10 o'clock until noon on 98.7. And she even hosts a Facebook Live afterwards to answer questions and interact with her very global audience. Kimberly and I actually interacted virtually for about a year over commonalities in our stories. We would later discover that we both worked for the same university as she is the diversity and inclusion specialist. She wears that title like a tailored glove. She is kind and intentional and courageous and vulnerable, and she is spectacular at creating a safe space to talk about tough things like privilege and oppression and the universal need that every single one of us has to belong. In 2007, New Hanover County named her Woman of the Year. She is fun and funny and so passionate about doing her work and self-awareness and just really connecting with people and helping them grow and learn. So I'd love for you to just sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation as we talk about self-awareness, the masks we wear, show and tell, Kimberly's love and passion for all things reggae, and the lessons that motherhood have brought her way. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy. Y'all, I'm so excited to introduce you to my special guest today on Nothing Fancy. I met Kimberly McLaughlin Smith on Facebook. We actually interacted virtually for about a year, and we interacted over these sort of commonalities in our spirits and our stories. We would later discover that we both worked for the same university. See, Kimberly is the diversity and inclusion specialist, and she wears that title like a tailored glove. She is kind and intentional and courageous 
And y'all, I'm telling you, she is spectacular at creating a safe space to talk about tough things like vulnerability, privilege, oppression, and our universal need to belong. She is fun and she is funny and she's passionate about growth and transformation and self-awareness. And boy, does she just seem to talk my language. In 2007, she was named Woman of the Year by New Hanover County. She is the host of Reggae Redemption on 98.7. You can listen every Sunday from 10 to noon. She is heard across the country, and she even hosts a Facebook Live afterwards just to connect with her audience and answer questions. So sit back and just enjoy as we talk about self-awareness, the masks we wear, show and tell, her love of all things reggae, and the lessons that only motherhood can teach her. And let me also just say, because this is nothing fancy, there's a few technical difficulties, but just be patient. It's worth it. <laughs> 